I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sun shines ever bright. I'll need no heavy garments, I'll just wrap my robe around. When I receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, February 28th, 2018. I love that song. I just love I'm sitting back here singing it I have to sh I have to mute my mic so that nobody hears me singing it but I, I love that song great song by acapella uh, it's called mansion robe and a crown if you ever wondered uh, so today we're gonna be looking at mark chapter 9 yesterday we looked at mark chapter 8 and as you can see above my left shoulder there we are looking at mark chapters 8 through 12 this week uh, and as we've done in the past we go through this about every single day uh, during the week, we go through the, the, the daily reading, about a chapter a day. Uh, and then on Sundays, we go through a lesson that we pull from from the um, from the reading for that week. Um, I can't remember. Oh, I remember now. Uh, tonight, uh, if you are in the Loveland area and you'd like to come together and uh, study the Bible, we are gathering together at 7 p.m. here at the building. Uh, and uh, it's our weekly midweek Bible study, and uh, I teach the class on Wednesday nights, and we're going, we're actually going through the life of Christ, uh, and talking about the different miracles and the different things that Jesus did during His life. Uh, that's kind of our focus for that. And of course, when we go through that class, we often talk about some of the things that we're reading through. Um, so I hope you can join us for that again. We get together at seven o'clock for that, uh, and we have classes for all ages as well. Uh, as a, a time of fellowship with one another and uh, prayer, of course, as well. Um, with that said, let's go ahead and get into the study today. We're gonna again. We're gonna be looking at Mark chapter nine. Uh, and yesterday we actually started in Mark chapter nine just a little bit. We read verse one at the end of verse uh, at the end of chapter eight uh, because they do go together uh, hand in hand. Um, as you can see, there's not a paragraph break there, but again, in the Greek, there's no paragraph break. There's also not a 9 here, and there's also not a 38 or a 37 there. There are no verses. There are no chapter breaks. There are no titles, headings, none of that stuff. Um, these are things that man has added in, added in just to help kind of break things down and make things easier to find. Uh, that's what's called expediency. Um, and so um, we closed out yesterday. We were looking at um, this section here with uh, denying yourself, carrying your cross, and following Jesus. Uh, and then the last verse there, he talks about, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Now, um, that verse alone has caused a lot of questions, a lot of controversy, and, and wonder about what Jesus means by that statement. Well, of course, the people he's talking to there are his apostles, and we know that today many of them have died. <clears throat> so does that mean the kingdom of God has come? Uh, and what does he mean by kingdom of God? Well, does it mean the kingdom of God has come? Yes. Well, what the question really is, is what does he mean by the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom is often referred to by Christ uh, as the kingdom or the church. 
Uh, and of course, we know that the kingdom or the church was established, and it came on Acts chapter t- in Acts chapter two, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down and filled the disciples, and they began teaching and speaking in tongues, and of course, um, converting thousands and thousands of people on that day. Some three thousand souls on the day of Pentecost uh, were added to the church uh, that day. Acts chapter two, verses thirty-eight and following there, and so. As Jesus said, he says, many of uh, some standing here will not taste death until the, they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Why does he say some? Well, because there's at least one of them that does not get to see the kingdom of God before he tastes death. And of course, that would be Judas, uh, who killed himself before um, all of that came to pass. So, um, so we have there, of course... Looking ahead in Acts and, and, and all of that, we have a fulfillment of that, that statement that Jesus said. Um, now, we get into the rest of chapter 9 here, and that is um, we have some lessons, of course, um, some one-on-one lessons that Jesus has with a few of his disciples, some broader lessons with all of the d- disciples, some more healing, and so let's go get into that. Verse 2, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. In fact, the Greek there, I think, refers to a launderer, someone who who washes clothes. No one who washes clothes on earth could make clothes this white. Okay, no matter what process they go through, no no matter how many Tide Pods somebody uses, they could not make clothes as intensely white as what Jesus uh, had on. And of course, they were also radiant, which means they were shining, they were shimmering, glowing almost. Um, and I think that speaks too to the just the how bright white they were. Verse 4, And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Have you ever wondered how the disciples knew that it was Elijah and Moses? The the funny part of my brain thinks maybe they had little name tags on, like little stone name tags that said, Hi, my name is Moses, or Hi, my name is Elijah. I'm just kidding. Um, But it's interesting that they recognize them as Elijah and Moses. Of course, none of them have ever known Elijah or Moses. They lived several, several centuries before they were uh, ever born. Um, And of course, we don't know if they're, we don't think that there were. There's possible there were some kind of paintings or depictions of them that have been passed down or maybe descriptions of what they look like, but nothing necessarily that we have in scripture, um, but maybe traditionally. Um, Nonetheless, they knew who these gentlemen were. Perhaps Jesus told them, or perhaps they he, they overheard them. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, the point is, is that they recognized who they are, and of course the importance of these individuals being um, a great prophet, and of course, uh, uh, well, two great prophets really when you when you come down to it. Uh, you know, forefathers of of their faith, um, major majorly important uh, people in the Jewish faith, um, and they're talking to Jesus, and of course. Uh, the disciples are terrified, and so uh, they just think, "Well, we got to do something." You know, it's it's kind of like the, the way I look at it is uh, a, a person um, 
meets a celebrity, they don't know what to say. If if you've ever met a celebrity, you know how this interaction goes. Right? I, I worked in TV and radio, and I met a lot of celebrities throughout my years. And it wasn't until later in life and, and later in my profession that I started learning that they're just normal people. Like, there's really nothing that much different about them. But I remember early on in my radio career meeting some celebrities as they came in um, and just not knowing what to say. You know, I had no idea what to say. And I would babble and, uh, you want some water? You know, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's all I could come up with. And so, same thing here. The, the disciples are, they're, they're frightened. They were terrified. But I think there was some sense of, of that we should probably do something for these great people that are here. Um, so they ask to make them tents. Of course, nothing ever comes to that. And instead, God comes forth and says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. A great command coming out of the cloud, telling the disciples that were there, telling these three apostles to listen to Jesus. And then it was just them and Jesus. Verse 9, And they were coming down the mountain, and as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why did the scribes say that Elijah first, or that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they please, as it is written of him. Of course, Jesus speaking there of John the Baptist. Uh, of course, John the Baptist is dead at this point, and because the people did to them whatever they pleased, as it was written of him. And so Jesus is saying, look, Elijah's already come. These bad things have already happened to him. Those things were prophesied and said that they would happen to him. They did. And guess what? Terrible things were written about what's going to happen to the Son of Man as well. And if they happen to Elijah, you better believe they're going to happen to the Son of Man. Um, and that's, of course, Jesus. But notice here, uh, verse uh, 11. Or, I'm sorry, verse 10. They questioned what the rising from the dead might mean. They didn't get it yet. Jesus or God had told them, listen to Jesus. They're listening, but they don't yet understand. Verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. So we have the three disciples, Peter, James, uh, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, four individuals coming down the mountain, joining back with the other disciples. Okay, so They saw a great crowd around the disciples, and the scribes were arguing with them, with, with the disciples. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing with them about? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. You get a sense of exasperation there. Uh, maybe, maybe just frustration uh, on the part of, of the fact that these people don't have the faith. Now, if you remember Matthew's account, this is the same part where Jesus talks about faith uh, as small as a mustard seed. Um, we don't have that direct conversation recorded here in Mark's account, but it's the same instance that we have over in Matthew's account. Um, and so they brought the boy to Jesus, and when the Spirit, we're in verse 20, and when the Spirit saw him, the the 
the unclean spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water in order to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Do you, ever remember, do you remember this conversation in your times in reading the scriptures? Do you remember uh, this father saying, If you can, if you can do anything, help us. Jesus says it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of whether you believe or not. How many times have we asked in prayer, Lord, if you're willing, if you can, please do this. I want to encourage you today to stop saying that in your prayers. Because God can. He is able. And as Jesus has said before, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you're able to say to that mountain, get up and be thrown into the sea. That whatever you ask in prayer will be done for you. The other day, uh, I heard about great news uh, from someone who's battling some medical issues. Um, and they, they got some great news from the doctors. And um, they said, hallelujah, answered prayers. Now, I didn't ask them this question, but I want to ask, if you got different news, if the news would have been negative, if the news would not have been what you were expecting, would you have still praised God for answered prayers? You see, sometimes I think that people think that answered prayers are when they get a yes. When they get a yes to what they're asking for, they're like, woo, answered prayer. But see, the, the problem is, is that no is still an answer. And I think a lot of people miss that. Because when we ask for something, and if it goes against what the will of God is, then the answer may be no. But it's still an answer. And we should be thankful and grateful for that answer no matter what. And we rejoice in that answer. In fact, Jesus himself, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying to God, you know, if it be your will, take this cup from me, but yet not my will be done, yours be done. He still praised him. He still gave him the due respect and was thankful. Verse 26, And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Um, it's also important, uh, as in Matthew's account, um, Matthew's account says by prayer and fasting. Um, and some manuscripts also have that for Mark as well, if you have a little footnote, as, as mine does right here in verse 1. Um, but, uh, you know, we have this unclean spirit that... Um, seems to be a little bit more difficult than, than other spirits, and that it is only possible to cast out through faithful prayer and fasting. Um, and we talked about that when we looked at, at Matthew's account as well. Um, but ultimately it comes down to faith. Uh, and if you notice the lack of faith, even after Jesus removes the spirit from the boy, the lack of faith in that some of them, that most of them said, He is dead. That's not much faith, is it? 
That's not a whole lot of faith in the one who just cast out an unclean spirit. They said, hey, he cast out the unclean spirit, but no, he died. That's not a whole lot of faith. The unbelief is unbelievable, if you will. Verse 30. They went out from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples. Okay, He didn't want people to know where he was going. Or that he was passing through because he was ministering and teaching his disciples at that point. And he was saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Now, as in the past, we can look at this statement here and go, Guys, what's so hard to understand? Jesus said he's going to the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men. They're going to kill him. And then after three days, he's going to rise. What does that mean? Well, see, we can look at that today and say, man, that's kind of dumb. Why didn't they get it? But you have to realize that Jesus spoke a lot in parables. You also have to understand the word rise. Does it mean rise from the dead? Is it, does it mean he's going to rise to the throne? Uh, or both. Because you have to remember the concepts that, that the Jews had about the Messiah uh, and the kingdom that he was bringing about. And so they didn't fully understand what Jesus was saying. Of course, we can look at this today and know because we have the, the, um, the benefit of hindsight. We can look back after knowing that Jesus, in fact, did raise from the dead after three days and look at this and say, guys, he's, he means what he says. You know, he's going to die and then after three days he's going to raise from the dead. But they didn't understand. They don't understand a lot that he says and does, even though they follow him full time. Verse 33, And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, remember Capernaum is, uh, Capernaum is the, uh, the center of operations for Jesus, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. You know, that this section here, again, is re repeated uh, from, from Mar uh, Matthew's account. Um, the important part of this, of course, is that um, there is no one greater in the kingdom. It, it, it's it's about being a servant. Um, and what is considered great on earth is not con what's considered great in heaven. Um, which is sad, unfortunately. But that's the nature of humanity. Uh, and then he gets into talking about um, children. And the importance of children, the innocence and the humility of children. Um, and uh, he... he just like Matthew does, he sandwiches things together here. He'll stick another story in here, and then we'll get back to the children here in a second. So verse 38, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and he, we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after, uh, afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. I want to know what your thoughts are about this section. What does Jesus 
Um, what is the heart of Jesus' teaching here? I want you to leave a comment in the comments section below. Study on this. Look into this a little bit. Why doesn't Jesus want this man who's not following him, uh, who is casting out demons in, in Jesus' name, why doesn't he want his disciples to stop him? Think about that. Ponder on it. Leave your comment below and let us know. Verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little... Here's getting back to those children again. Remember, sandwich. Now we're on the, the bottom bun. Uh, whoever causes one of these little ones uh, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it, sin, cut it off. And it, uh, it is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye uh, than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That is a quote that Jesus is putting out. I believe that's Jeremiah. No, Isaiah. Isaiah 66, 24. It says, And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, for their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Not a very good ending. Verse 49, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So again, we have another reference there to salt, as we've seen uh, in previous discussions that Jesus has had about uh, being the salt of the earth, light of the world. Um, but uh, salt is a good thing. Salt is necessary for many things, including preser uh, uh, preservative, uh, to help preserve meat, to give flavor to things. That's what Jesus was talking about um, uh, in losing its taste in Matthew. Uh, here, he's talking about more so, I believe, uh, in terms of the preservation side of things. Have salt in yourself. Preserve yourself. Be at peace with one another. And, of course, he gives the, the other um, discourse there about... Um, getting rid of the things in your life that cause you to sin. Uh, we've talked about this before in sermons, uh, I believe in Matthew, when we read this section, uh, that's the parallel section of this. Uh, we talked about the same thing. There are things in your life that may need to be cut out and removed if they are causing you to sin. Uh, for those who struggle with alcoholism, uh, with drug abuse, uh, with pornography, there are things that need to be cut out of your life and gotten rid of in order to avoid the temptations to sin. Sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's family, but there's a cost to following Jesus. And as we talked about yesterday, if you haven't given anything up for Jesus, then perhaps you're not truly following him. Now the big lesson that I wanted to point out this uh, today, in terms of the reading here from Matthew chapter 9, is, is about the faith of that father. We talked about earlier, verse 14 and following. We may find our own sentiments in that father. You know, Jesus or the man says, you know, my faith is kind of lacking, but don't take that out on my son. Don't punish my son because of that. You notice that that through all of that, Jesus doesn't rebuke the man's honesty. He doesn't rebuke the man for having doubt. But he heals the son and in the process strengthens the father's faith. You see, doubt is an important tool of Satan. Satan uses this deception um, to help destroy faith. 
But it's important to understand that doubt does not equal the opposite of faith. Okay? Doubt and unbelief are not the same. Unbelief is the opposite of faith, but doubt and unbelief are not the same thing. Doubt doesn't mean denial. Right? What does what does doubt literally mean? Doubt, the definition of doubt, um, if my computer will work here, there we go. It's a feeling of uncertainty, a lack of conviction. Right? There's uncertainty. It's not unbelief. There's still belief there if there is doubt. You see, faith is not something that's just something we do as a as you know a blind leap in the dark. We have God's Word, and that presents to us the story of Jesus, a narrative that is available for us to read and bear witness to. The evidence is overwhelming. It is astounding, but it is up to us to do something with it. It is that belief um, that is the root of faith. We choose faith by choosing to accept what we read in God's Word. And we continue to choose faith by living in a godly direction and seeking to carry out His will. But that doesn't mean there aren't going to be difficult times in which we doubt our faith. You know, as I mentioned before, the the person with the medical condition, the medical issue. You know, that I wouldn't say that that's necessarily doubt, but maybe a negative report would have caused doubt. I know from my own personal experience, we, you know, my wife and I lost a child very early in our marriage, and uh, I remember the the doubt that I was filled with about faith. Um, I remember screaming at God and, and asking Him why. Why me? Why us? Why why this? Why now? And I struggled with doubt very heavily. So much so that I almost lost faith, but I didn't. There was still faith there. And I turned back to the the one thing that can uh, that can provide faith for me. And that is the Bible. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. See, doubt is not unbelief, but doubt can lead to unbelief if you don't turn to the one thing that can bring you back, and that is the word of God. And that's why we're studying this. That's why we're reading through the New Testament together in 2018. Reading it from the beginning to the end so that our faith can be strengthened, so that we can be filled with thoughts of truth on a daily basis, and we can study that biblical evidence that is there, that exists even today, to affirm the things that we believe. The beautiful thing about the day that we live in right now is technology is so available, and this is one of those methods, this is one of those things that you can get the Word of God out in ways that were not possible 30, 40 years ago, that weren't possible in the days of these apostles, in the day of Paul. Sharing these videos, getting these videos out on Facebook and putting them out there in the public eye to be able to come to and read the truth and read and learn about what Jesus is saying in the Word of God and why it is we hold so dearly to this divine narrative that we have. 
That's why it's important to read the Bible. All of it. And understand it. And study it. And that's why you study. You study the Bible to understand it and to apply it in your life. That's what we've been talking about on our Sunday morning classes here at Loveland Heights Church of Christ. I'll leave you uh, today uh, with the final reminder. Um, tonight, 7 o'clock, we gather together for Bible study here at the building. Uh, we're going to be talking, uh, continuing to talk about the life of Christ in, in that study. And I hope you can join us for a time of uh, fellowship uh, with fellow Christians and learning more about God's Word and how it applies to our lives on a daily basis. Uh, if you want to catch up on previous lessons that we've gone through, whether it's Mark or Matthew, you can go uh, right here up to our website at loveland.church and you can check out all the things that are on there about the church. You can learn everything you need to about the, the church that meets here in Loveland Heights. If you go up to that media tab and select daily Bible study or sermon audio, there are the recorded versions of these studies and there's also a podcast version if you scroll down a little further past that uh, that passed the player there. Uh, but you can catch up on the previous sermons that we've brought forth from the readings each week. Last week, as I mentioned yesterday, we talked about uh, hard hearts and the hard thoughts that come uh, because of the hard hearts that, that many of us struggle with. Um, and that, you know, having a hard heart, just like doubt, is something that we all struggle with uh, from time to time. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we've lost faith. It just means that there's some work that needs to be done. Uh, if we can assist you with anything, uh, if you need prayer for anything, you can always leave a comment below. Uh, you can also contact us privately if you'd like here on Facebook through messages, uh, or you can email us at info at loveland.church. Either way, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope this study has been beneficial to you and has helped you um, apply something from God's Word in your life. Have a great rest of your day. God bless, and I hope you can make it uh, tonight for Bible study at 7 o'clock. Take care. Bright and fair, Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown.